Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning in to this very special segment of Next on the T featuring 1987 U.S. Amateur Champion and five-time winner out on the PGA Tour, Billy Mayfair. And thank you for your continued support. The show is currently ranked number two in the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 list, all thanks to your votes and your support of the show. We obviously have one place left we're trying to get to, and that's number one. So please continue to vote, and you can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. This is your show, and you are certainly showing that by your support and your votes. I appreciate it so very much. Enjoy the segment. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is Champions Tour Pro Billy Mayfair. Let me remind you about Billy's background. He's from Phoenix, Arizona. By age 15, he had become such a great junior player that Boys Life magazine featured him on the cover. He played his college golf at Arizona State where his 1986-87 scoring average of 70.59 is still among the best in school history. Billy won the 1986 U.S. Amateur Public Links Tournament. In 87, he won the U.S. Amateur, defeating Eric Redman 4-3 at Jupiter Hills Golf Club. He won back-to-back Pacific Coast Amateur Championships in 87 and 88. In 87, he won the Haskins Award for being the nation's best collegiate golfer, and he was also a member of the U.S. Walker Cup team. Billy turned pro in 1988. He won five times on the PGA Tour, the first one coming at the 1993 Greater Milwaukee Open, then twice in 1995 at the Western Open and at the Tour Championship, which was played that year at Southern Hills Country Club. He won twice again in 1998 at the Nissan Open, where he became the only player to ever defeat Tiger Woods in a playoff. He won again later that year at the Buick Open. Billy has also finished second 19 times between the regular and champions tours. He's had 90 top 10s, 232 top 25s. Today, the Arizona Golf Association presents the Billy Mayfair Trophy to the local player with the lowest weighted scoring average. And I am excited to have Billy back again with me today here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Billy, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thank you, Chris. Good to be back. Billy, as your intro indicates, you've had a lot of success in the game of golf. I want to start by going back to 1988 in Q School. I've talked to a lot of your peers out there on the Champions Tour, and um, they talk about what it was like trying to get through the, the rounds through Q School to try to get all the way through that tournament, three stages typically back at those days. Talk about what it was like for you to get through it and how that compares to trying to win out on the PGA Tour or the Champions Tour? Well, it, it, it was a while ago, but I do remember very, uh, very well. I, I remember we had to go through three different stages. And it was funny. I remember driving over to, uh, over to California, uh, and Torrey Pine. That was where my first stage was at. And I remember driving up my car and parking it right there by the driving range. I was just going to go play a practice round and all that, and I remember looking at everybody on the range, and I said, you know, they're all the guys I played with in college, and I've beaten them, beaten them, and beaten them, beaten them, beaten them, and, and now i got to go out and beat them all over. And I got through that stage in tour school. I went to Houston for my second stage, and then got to go to the finals over at Palm Springs, finished 21st, and it was a huge relief to, to get my car. At that time, we didn't have a uh, nationwide tour or a corn ferry tour or anything like that. And if you missed your card, you had to go over to Asia and do other things. So I was very happy to get it. And not not only that, but keep my card the first few years was very, very important. But it was probably probably one of the most nerve-wracking three weeks and and hardest tournaments I ever had to play. 
And Billy, as the reigning U.S. amateur champion, you got to play in the 88 Masters. What do you remember about your first Masters appearance, and did you stay there at the Crow's Nest? Uh, well, I stayed. I actually uh, drove up from a college event down in uh, in South Carolina. Uh, Buddy Alexander and I drove up and spent a couple nights in the Crow's Nest and played some practice rounds and all that. But when the tournament came uh, in April, uh, I had my, my family and my parents with me, and, and we stayed at a house and, and enjoyed that, that experience. But getting to play with Larry Mize in the first round, who was the defending champion, and the one thing I remember the most about that is I got on the putting green there, and, you know, on the big scoreboard there on 18, they had my name on top. I hadn't teed off yet, but my name was on top. And uh, I knew I'd come a long way when my name was on the top of the Masters uh, scoreboard, that's for sure. And then probably my biggest thrill, my, my first year on tour at that time, they repaired after every round. And it was in Tucson's and all that. And I'll tell you way back to technology, you know, we had to actually call Augusta National to get our tee time. And I remember wow. calling and the, the lady answered the phone and, and I said, uh, yeah, I shot 77 Billy Mayfair. And she kind of, uh, could hear her chuckling. She said, Oh, Mr. Mayfair, you're off tomorrow at 1045 with Mr. Palmer. And wow. I said, I said, I'm with who? And they go, Mr. Palmer. I said, thank you. And I just kind of stood there for a while and stood by the phone and kind of in shock. And my parents are all that say, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I, said, well, I get to play with Arnold tomorrow at Augusta. So that, that was a, a huge thrill for me. And, and Arnold and I had a wonderful time and he was such a class act. And, uh, he let me walk up 18 with him, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder up 18 and he got a standing ovation, which is something I'll never forget. What was it like on the first tee for that round? What's it like trying to put a peg in the ground and trying to draw the club back when you're paired with Arnold Palmer at Augusta National? <laughs> well, you get the peg in the ground. I can't tell you how hard it was. I, it was hard to get the ball to stay on the tee. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, I remember my first shot there. My legs weren't going too fast, and I think I hooked it over nine fairways. So um, it, was, it was definitely unique and, 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 and a wonderful experience. Billy, in 1991, you get your best finish at Augusta National. You ended up tied for 12th that year. Phil Mickelson yeah. was an amateur at the time playing in the tournament. You guys, obviously, both guys having played your college golf at Arizona State, did you sort of mentor Phil about what to expect? And what do you recall about the tie for 12th in 91? Well, I, I, I remember I, I played very well. I, I knew that I was close to the top 50. got invited back the next year. And, uh, I, uh, made a real good par, par savior on, on 18 from just out to the left of the green there and got up and down. And, and I thought that might get me in the next year and, and, and it, and it did. And I remember how happy I was that, you know, I, I got to come back the next year. And, you know, Phil and I played a lot of practice rounds there. We've done a lot of mapping of the golf course and all that. And, uh, I know he loves playing there and it doesn't surprise me that he has uh, three green jackets. That's for sure. And Billy, 15 years later in 2006, Phil wins again for the second time there, but you're in the mix again, only five back going into the third round. What was it like for you challenging there 15 years later? Um, you know, it was different. I think the, the golf course time, I, I don't think they had completely tiger proofed it yet, but, uh, it was definitely different than the first time I was there and, and you had to hit different shots. But, uh, you know, for Augusta, you know, to me, it's where you put the ball on the green have to hit shots uphill and downhill in the fairways, but it's all positioning that ball on the green and have, trying to have uphill putts for birdie, but uh, you know, at, at that point, I you know, I knew the golf course just a little bit better and I think that helped me, uh, helped me a lot. 
Billy, going back to your rookie year on the PGA Tour, you finished 12th at Doral that year, and you did so in spectacular fashion. You make a 20-foot putt for birdie on the 18th on Friday just to make the cut, and then you go out and shoot nine under over the weekend, 69-66. Did you know that that 20-footer on Friday on 18 was what you needed to make in order just to play the weekend? Yeah, I, I actually I did. I had uh, some of the uh, guys from uh, um, NBC uh, actually told me coming up coming up to 18T that the cut was going to be, I believe it was one over, and I was two, and I needed to make three on 18 uh, to make the cut. And uh, I hit two good shots. I remember I hit a six iron in there just behind the hole, like you said, 20 feet. And I said, you know, let's roll it down there. Hopefully it, it hopefully it might go in. And it did. And, uh, you know, and then I played, you know, I was just, I think, so happy to make the cut play on the weekend that I just, I really played well. And that was huge for me because they did the reshuffle the next week. So I moved way up in the, in the tour list. I think I was 20th when I started and I ended up being fifth. So that, uh, that kind of jump started my career. Billy, like I mentioned in your intro, you're the only player to ever beat Tiger in a sudden death playoff. You did so at the 98 Nissan Open. Here's another opportunity. You actually had to make birdie on the final hole to tie him just to force that playoff. Talk about knowing what you needed to make there, and then doing so, your reward for that is you get Tiger in a playoff. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. I uh, I had looked at the walking from the range over to the first tee when, when we played that last round. I had said to myself, you know, if you need to do something here, that front bunker's not a bad position to be in. And I remember going for the green and two in, in regulation, in right in that front bunker. And I said, "Man, I got it right where I want, right where I want it." And I get a real good bunker shot, about about six feet. You know, at the time, I also knew that I had to make it in order to get in the playoff and and, uh, and slid it in. And, and uh, then, like you said, I got to go back and, and play Tiger in a, in a one-hole playoff, which went uh, went my favorite. But in that case, when I won the playoff, I had to actually lay up. I didn't hit as good of a drive. I laid up to about eighty yards to the green and. Get a real good wedge in there, about about ten feet below the hole, and uh, Tiger missed his birdie putt. And, uh, I remember it was inside right, and I said, just stroke it right in there, and it went in. So I was I was thrilled, not just to beat Tiger Woods, but to win on the PGA Tour. Looking at that putt to win, were you confident standing over that putt? Did you let any of the thoughts, like uh, not only am I about to potentially win a golf tournament here, but I could be the first person to ever beat Tiger? Did any of that stuff get into your mind? While you're standing over that putt, I I I, I got to say probably over the putt I was thinking about winning the golf tournament and and I and I had my routine and I knew how my target was. I said that was probably my biggest concern was just be doing my routine, hit the target. And you know at the time, you know Tiger quite hadn't done everything that he had done now, but uh, uh, we all knew he was going to be a wonderful player and we knew what his potential was. But uh, uh, you know, like I said, it was it was just more of winning. Winning an LA Open, winning in a playoff, and, and and at the time, just to beat Tiger was obviously icing on the cake. Is it true that you're the answer now to a question in Trivial Pursuit? Yes, I am. Yep, yep. I'm, I I and I don't play that game unless I get that one card because I know I can answer that one right. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you see Tiger nowadays, you remind him that you're the only guy to ever beat him in a sudden death playoff. No, no, he uh, he actually reminds me every once in a while. My 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 wife and I were out a couple of years ago, and and he was there. We were sitting there having lunch, and he sat down with us, and he says, "Can I join you? You're the only one I can't intimidate." 
<laughs> and uh, obviously, Tammy, my wife, and I just kind of sat there and laughed and go, absolutely, Tiger, join us. And, you know, uh, he's a wonderful guy, and, and I'm happy for him. I hope he gets back out to playing a lot more. When Tiger and, and Rocco go to that playoff at the 2008 U.S. Open, were you kind of quietly pulling for Tiger so Rocco couldn't kind of horn in on your claim to fame? <laughs> well, yeah. Very much so. We were in Hartford already waiting there, and everybody was watching the clubhouse. They all asked me who I was cheering for, and I said, well, I love Rocco to death, but I want to keep my record. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, Billy, I read that the trophy from that win is in your trophy case alongside all your other U.S. Amateur trophy and, and the others you've collected over the course of your career. But I also read that you keep the money clip that they gave you for that win in your pocket and it's been there, I guess, now for about 24 years. Is it still there in your pocket? And do you, do you it, like to reach down yes, in there and is. take a look at it as a confidence boost? All, all the time, yep. I carry it with me. I've carried it pretty much since the week after I had won the tournament. And uh, uh, fortunately, haven't lost it yet. But uh, I, uh, I I love looking at it. I love showing it to people. And, and one of the unique things about it, too, is that it's the only one that says Valencia Country Club on it, too. Since we didn't play Riviera that year. And, uh, at uh, L.A., we played Valencia, so I have a very unique thing there. Billy, you very nearly won your first event out on the Champions Tour at the 2016 U.S. Senior Open at Toyota Country Club. You finished tied for second, one back at Gene Sowers, and you were one of only four players that week to finish under par, and you really made, very nearly made a hole-in-one on the ninth hole during the final round. Talk about mm, that tournament, yeah. and do you remember that shot and the ball almost going in? Yes, I do. I remember very well. Toyota was a very special place for me. I had, uh, first of all, when, when they changed the dates from the U.S. Senior Open to August, which made me eligible for it, and then to go back to Toyota back in uh, Columbus was really a thrill. And I remember turning 50 and that being my first, uh, my first Champions Tour event. Uh, I was excited to be there and, and I knew I was, was going to have a good week and, uh, got attention right away and, and I just I just had so much fun. It was just great to be back out there with the guys again and, and doing this. I've been missed it for about four or five years, not playing on the big tour very much. Boy, when you got out there and got the blood flowing again and then being out there it was a lot of fun. But I hit a great shot on nine and couldn't quite see the pin. I thought it went in and uh, you know, anytime you can make a hole in one at a USG event that's awful special. But on the last day that'd be more special, trust me. Billy, earlier this season, you finished tied for 14th at the Senior PGA Championship thanks to a really good weekend. You shot 67-68. It's one of the, obviously, biggest tournaments of the year out there on the Champions Tour. Talk about playing your best in the biggest event. Well, I seem to play very well in, in big tournaments. I, I seem to play very well with golf course cars. When even par, a couple under, like you said, four or five under on the weekend. And you make a huge move on the board. I've always been that type of player. I'm, I'm a very straight ball hitter. I hit a lot of greens, uh, chip and putt very well. And I think major golf courses have always been, been my incentive. And, and, and like I said, when it doesn't become a birdie fest out there, I, I do it very, very well. Billy, changing uh, topics a little bit. You're no stranger to battling health challenges. You successfully battled testicular cancer. Talk about how you were able to win that fight. Well, fortunately, uh, I, I caught it early. My, my, my girlfriend at the time, but now my wife, Tammy, and, and uh, uh, we were at the Buick Open and, and, and getting ready to play. And, and I was 
12th on the list for the Ryder Cup that particular year with Tom Lehman as our captain. And I really wanted to play, and I kind of found this large lump uh, down in my right testicle, and uh, we looked at it, uh, saw some doctors back there in Flint, uh, talked to them, and basically said I needed to go home right away and have it taken care of. And on Thursday that week, we had surgery to remove it. And because we caught it early, uh, capitalized, I did have very, I had radiation treatment, uh, but was very lucky and, and lucky and, and, and knock on wood, I've been clean ever since. So, uh, I was very blessed that day and, and, and God showed us the way to get it fixed right away. Billy, we touched on this a little bit last time, but a couple of years ago, you also learned that you're on the autism spectrum. Talk about what it was yeah. like when you found that out. Well, that was very difficult. I it was very challenging. My wife saw some uh, facial cues, saw some reactions, reactions I were having, and thought that I needed tested, thought I needed help in it, and I fought her to the, to the bone on it. I didn't think I was the, the oddball. I thought everybody else was odd, and I wasn't. I was normal, and uh, it wasn't until some happened on tour and at home that I decided to get tested, and, I, and I'm really glad that I did, and, and uh, it took me a while to accept the results. And to know that I had autism, but it seemed like it, when I did find out and read up about it, it, it seemed to serve a lot of questions, uh, that I had about college, about high school, why I had a hard time studying and why I did certain things, but it also made clear to me why I loved golf. So I would go out, uh, hit golf balls by myself, be by myself for hours upon hours and just enjoy myself. So, uh, I wanted to come out about it. I wanted let people know that it's okay to go get tested, it's okay to have this, it's okay to talk about it, but I want to also people know that it's okay to have a normal, very happy, healthy, productive life, even though you have smokers. What, if anything, has the knowledge that you're on that spectrum changed about your day-to-day life, if anything at all? Uh, I think the biggest thing was I sometimes that I go kind of fast and start trying to process the information. Uh, I make some bad decisions, maybe on the golf course or driving somewhere. And sometimes I just have to just stop and just say, hey, you know, count, count to 20 or, or just give myself a breather. And if someone's interviewing me or talking to me, if I don't quite understand the question, give myself a few minutes and, and, and think about it so that I can give a very good response back. I, I've also learned how to put people in the eye and try to learn their facial expressions so that I communicate with people better. So it's, it's not, Big things, that's for sure, but it's little things and a lot of little things that, that add up that really help. Billy, switching gears again, all the talk around the game of golf right now is about the Upstart Live Golf Tour. How do you feel uh-huh. about what you're seeing going on between the PGA Tour and now with Live Golf out there? Well, I think I, I, you know, guys having to decide on what tour they want to play and, and all that, we are private contractors. Um, but you know, I, I don't I don't blame a lot of the guys for leaving the tour. Uh, if you look at the history of all the guys left, those are guys that have issues with the tour, so had, had some type of issue. So I don't blame them for leaving. Uh, but I think it's something that I wish that could have been worked out uh, between the PGA Tour and the LIV Tour, but uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be. And, uh, but I, I, I still, you know, I'm still supportive of the PGA Tour, but I don't blame the guys for all at all going over to LIV. And Billy, this past weekend, a former being a former U.S. Amateur champion, we saw a kid, Eugenio Lopez Chachara. He left Oklahoma State early 
to go play over on Liv. He's a two-time All-American, the second-ranked amateur in the world. He goes over there, wins the golf tournament, and when you combine that with the team money, he, he won almost $5 million, $4.75 million. If they had come to you when you were at, at Arizona State saying, hey, look, here's here's a bunch of money, and here is what the potential is. You could win more in one weekend playing a live tournament and winning and being a part of the winning team than you probably could for several years out on the PGA Tour. What? How would you have felt? I mean, as a young kid, well, that seems tough to turn down. Yeah, that that would be something that would be very, very difficult. And probably if I was that age, and, and, you know, I'm kind of like 20 years old, 21, 22, uh, it would be very difficult. And I would probably say you take the money. Take the money and, and you enjoy it and all that. But after being on the PGA Tour and playing the golf for the last 30 years, uh, I would advise them not to. Because, you know, you're gonna if you play well, you're going to make more money than you could ever spend. Uh, in your lifetime, but I just think the experience and, and the and, and the tournaments and all that on the tour uh, and will teach you more about life and just a better way to go through your career. Uh, and we don't know, and nobody knows how long LIV is going to be around. So uh, I, I don't, like I said, I'm on both sides. I don't blame I don't blame them for doing it. Uh, but I would think now, after being on the career that I've had, I would tell them not to. Billy, when you have your quiet moments, and you can look back over the course of your career. What are some of the things that you enjoy reflecting back on most? Well, I, I think I've got to travel the world. I've got to play a lot of great golf courses. But, but most of all, I look at, uh, I, I'm doing something that I love to do. I get to play golf. But all the, all the wonderful people that I've got, more that I've gotten over here, is just something that's very incredible to me. And, and I really do appreciate you know, being 56 years old now and playing on the champion tour, um, you know, you forget about all, all the people out there who have supported you over the years. And I think that's been just a, a very wonderful experience. Billy, you mentioned earlier about playing alongside Mr. Palmer at, at the Masters. I, I, I find it hard to believe it could get any better than that. But thinking yeah. about some of well, the players that you've had an opportunity to be paired with at tournaments and all of that sort of stuff, what are some of your favorite pairings? Well, I obviously got paired. I got paired with Arnold there at Augusta, which was, was wonderful. I got paired with Jack Nicholas at Memorial one year, one of the last years he got to play Memorial, and really enjoyed playing there with him. Um, I actually have a very distinctive remains that I actually the guy that got to play with Andy Stewart his final round uh, competitively before his plane crash. Uh, so I've got to do a lot of new things, but you know I've got to meet five different presidents. I've got to play the greatest golf course in the world. I've got to see the world. So I've been very blessed by my, 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 by my profession. Billy, just a couple more before I let you go. And you guys are winding down the Champions Tour season. So what's next for you as we look out for the rest of 22 and then kickstarting 23? Well, we got five more tournaments left this year. I got, I got, I got a win here. I, we're up in Raleigh this week and then we start our playoffs. Uh, up in Virginia, uh, in, in two weeks from now, uh, when the points are doubled and I need to kind of get up there, get in that top 36. So I get in the Charles Schwab Cup down there in Phoenix, which was, was all our goal. Uh, a few good, few good tournaments here and there and then we can reach that goal and then turn the whole year around and have a great year. So, uh, seems like I'm playing better. I'm hitting a lot better. I got some confidence in my putter and, uh, you know, just hope, 
hopefully this week a lot of pucks will go in. Billy, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's on social media? Well, you can always go, you can always go to billymazer.org. And that tells about my career, talks about where I'm playing, what I'm doing, and it also tells about my autism and about my foundation. Billy, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the show. It was a huge thrill getting to talk with you again. It was a huge thrill getting to meet you in person earlier this year at Sugarloaf at the Mitsubishi Electric Classic. Great to actually see you and get and get a moment of your time there as well. But thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. Well, well, Chris, thank you for having me on tell my story. You do a wonderful job. I listen to you all the time. Well, I appreciate that very much, Billy. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Absolutely, Chris. Take care. That is 1987 U.S. Amateur Champion and five-time winner on the PGA Tour and a guy I'm rooting hard for out there on the Champions Tour, Billy Mayfair. At B Mayfair Golf is where you can find and follow him on Twitter, BillyMayfair.org is the website doing great things for autism. Billy is a great guy, and I'm honored that he came back to join me for a second time. I'm hoping that is twice of many visits that Billy comes back and is a part of the show. Already looking forward to visit number three, and again, rooting hard for Billy out there on the Champions Tour. That'll do it for this special segment of Next on the T. Folks, please keep coming back and checking our website, nextonthetea.net, or your favorite podcasting app. For more of these special segments, I'll continue to bring them to you throughout the winter. I really appreciate your continued support for the show, for me, and for getting us up the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 list. Again, you can go there, podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50 to vote for the show. I really appreciate your continued support. Until next time, hit them straight, my friends.